In October last year, the Wadia Group, one of India's oldest active conglomerates led by billionaire Nasli Wadia, appointed Varun Berry as chairman of low-cost airline GoFirst. This happened just weeks after he was elevated as vice chairman and managing director of the group's flagship company, Britannia Industries. Taste me 50% desi makkhan, 50% videshi herbs. Britannia 50-50 maska chaska, 100% tasty. Ding, ding, ding. Waqt ke saath ghar chahe jitne badal jahe, unhe pyaar se sajayenge hum. Bombay dying, change is beautiful. Log on to goair.in or mobile app and book your tickets in advance to avail low fares. Fly smart and make your dream vacation come true. This was not just another promotion or yet another responsibility for Berry, who'd been handpicked by Wadia almost a decade back to transform Britannia from a large but sluggish biscuits maker into an agile, profitable foods company. In terms of responsibility and role, Varun is practically the patriarch's key strategist, said those close to the group. He has succeeded group promoter Vadia, 78, who's now chairman emeritus of the group. Jay, younger scion of the Vadia group, in charge of the airline since its debut in 2005, stepped down as managing director in March 2021. In fact, both Jay and his brother Ness are not directly involved in the group's day-to-day businesses now. Many also point out to patchy equations within the promoter family. Berry now oversees a large swathe of the 286-year-old empire that ranges from biscuits to buildings and fabric to flight. His tasks are cut out. Britannia is gearing up for intense competition with Mukesh Ambani's Reliance taking giant strides into the FMCG space and steering go first amid a turbulent aviation sector. In his first interview after taking over the new role at the group, Varun Berry sits down with me for a candid conversation as he talks about his new role. So Ratna, I'm just wetting my feet in this airline business. Still a learning phase. I think I'm I'm contributing to an extent which makes me happy. facing off mukesh ambani in a fierce battle within fmcg they are going through it in a, in a very fast and furious way but when they come they're going to come with a hammer airlines on the other hand is a different ball game altogether while the businesses are chalk and cheese but i would say the core is just the same It's important that we get the airline to also do what uh, it needs to which is give some returns to the shareholders. It's January 17th. I'm your host Ratna Bhushan from the Economic Times and you're listening to an exclusive interview with Varun Berry, the bike to flight journey on the morning brief. One of India's richest families with a net worth of well over 60,000 crore rupees, the Wadia Group started by building ships and docks 
way back in 1736 through a contract with the British East India Company. In fact, the American anthem Star Spangled Banner was written on board a ship constructed by the Wadias. By the time Nasli Wadia inherited the business, it had moved to textiles. Nasli is the maternal grandson of Muhammad Ali Jinnah and has inherited the latter's sharp features, steely resolve and fiery temperament. He steered the company's fortunes through fierce battles with Dhirubhai Ambani, the government and many others and turned it into a 60,000 crore rupee empire. Now, the conglomerate counts India's largest biscuits maker Britannia, blue chip real estate, low-cost airline GoFirst and textiles company Bombidine as just some of its assets. Varun Berry who graduated from Punjab Engineering College and later studied at Wharton School joined Britannia in 2013 after spending over a decade at PepsiCo in various leadership roles in India and overseas before which he also did a short stint at Unilever Varun welcome to the morning brief it's a pleasure to have you with us Thank you Ratna great to be with you You know Varun from steering a success story in biscuits and dairy to now airlines and possibly textiles what's your core mandate now First to clarify Ratna my executive responsibility still rests only with Britannia so it's going to be food i've got a responsibility of being the non-executive chairman of go first and i am not involved with the textiles business at all so that is where i'm at and uh, you know obviously the objective really is to uh, get you know go ahead to also get to a stage uh, while i'm not directly handling it but through the board to make sure strategic decisions uh, take it to a stage where it starts to become cash positive and starts to generate some returns for the shareholders okay interesting thank you for clarifying that varun but still analysts and peers say you're central to the wadia group's strategic transformation on various businesses and that the group is looking to you to replicate britannia's success in its other businesses in the long run how do you react to all that so i i think i i clarified that in the beginning Yes, from a strategic standpoint, airline is uh, something which we would certainly want to uh, make sure it gets to the next stage, and the next stage really is being cash positive. And uh, you know, the, the industry seems to be doing well now. It's it's back to a number which is higher than in December. If you look at it, the number of passengers flown in December was higher than what it was pre-COVID. So. uh this was the first month when it went back so the industry is coming back slowly consumers are getting back to flying to traveling it's important that we ride this wave and uh, get the airline to also do what uh, it needs to which is give some returns to the shareholders in the long term okay uh varun about 10 years back nasli wadia gave you the key task of transforming britannia 
from a large but sluggish biscuit company into an agile, nimble, profitable foods company. You've done a lot of that already. Uh, compared to competitors, you've kept Britannia fairly resilient. There's double-digit growth and 14% EBITDA margin. Also, from a value creation point of view, Britannia's market cap has performed better than most of its peers in the last 12 months. So, I want to ask you, what have been the critical success factors driving this? So, I think the most critical thing to any business is the people. And I'm actually, one thing that I'm really proud of is the team that we've been able to nurture at Britannia. It's just delightful to work with these guys. It's... Uh, it's all internal, right? There are very few people who've come from outside. And these are people who are homegrown, who understand the business and have been performing really well, have understood the strategic needs of the business and have taken the business to a very different level. So that is the first thing. Second, I think from a strategic standpoint, what we've done is we've, we've been able to, one, expand the business with a lot of premium products being launched, which has given us margins. At the other end, we've been able to bring costs under control. We've brought variable costs as well as fixed costs under control. We've, we've generated almost 2% savings per year on a total revenue basis, which is a big achievement. And also our actions during the pandemic were a breakaway from the norm. We quickly adapted to an unprecedented situation focused on prioritization, continuous communication, collaboration across the organization in order to maintain very continuous supply to the consumers. That has helped us gain credibility with our customers and consumers. I think also we are very focused on our vision to become a responsible global total foods company and also creating value for our stakeholders. I think we will pretty much stay uh, focused on this five-pronged strategy on distribution and marketing, innovation, growing adjacent businesses, cost efficiencies, and uh, something that we embarked on just a few years ago, uh, which is the ESG journey or the sustainability for the organization. Okay, Britannia's DNA has changed quite a lot from the time you took over. There are several new product innovations which have helped growth as well as margin profile. So I don't how much of this would you attribute to some of your learnings at PepsiCo in India as well as overseas? Well, your past experiences, of course, uh, teach you a lot. And I would say that uh, I did internalize what I learned at HUL first and then at PepsiCo. Uh, HUL, of course, was a much shorter tenure compared to PepsiCo. Uh, the international companies like PepsiCo are very focused on core brands and the flexibility to get to areas which are not clear focused for the entire organization is relatively difficult. But when I was in Vietnam and Philippines, we realized that carbonated soft drinks was not the way in the future and it was important for us to launch still drinks or non-carbonated drinks. And we pushed very hard to get energy drinks, to get juice drinks and all of that, which were homegrown brands in Vietnam as well as in the Philippines. And we did really well with that. And I think that was one experience which came in really handy when we started to grow our portfolio at Britannia. 
But, you know, frankly, I do think that uh, the flexibility that we have through the board and through the chairman of the company on what we can do and, uh, you know, the area in which we can play is a lot wider than what it was in the two multinationals that I worked before this. Obviously, flexibility comes with responsibility. So we've got to make sure that whatever we do, we validate that with internal stakeholders as well as consumers. And we do that very efficiently before we get that to market. And that's what's got us to what, you know, what we have as a portfolio. Absolutely. Flexibility with responsibility. So what's the next big milestone for Britannia? So, uh, Ratna, there there are many milestones to be crossed. Uh, One of the recent moves that we made, which was the joint venture with uh, Bell, which is the French cheese company, I think that's uh, one area where we can build a very large business. But that's not the end. Frankly, right now we are at the side of the plate. We are basically in food snacking. Uh, And we want to make sure that we cover that uh, side of the plate in a comprehensive way. And we get to every possible category within snacking. And uh, slowly but steadily, we've been making great progress. But there are certain large categories which are still unevaluated, unexplored by Britannia. We will be looking at getting to more categories. And I think those will be the milestones for us uh, as we go forward. So I would say, watch this space and you'll see a lot more excitement. So it's been a bit like kind of transformational for Britannia because you've been a dominant biscuits company and now um, you're coming into dairy in a very big way so far. You, your presence in dairy has been small. How are you expecting to replicate the biscuits template for cheese? No, that's a very uh, good point because, see, in dairy, in cheese specifically, We don't uh, really project our cheese products as snacks. Producing them in certain formats which are, uh, you know, uh, conducive to snacking, I think it's very important. And uh, I think that's what we are going to do in our uh, joint venture with Bell. We are also going to play a very large role in creating winking products. Our winking cow brand has done extremely well in the last three years. And we are going to be just at the, you know, verge of launching aseptic PET uh, bottle, uh, which will be launched in the South first. Uh, So that's going to happen, I think, this week. So with a new format, uh, which is easy to gulp, etc., I think we are trying to make uh, as big a move as possible in drinkable dairy as well. So I think there's, there's a lot happening in these two categories. We are also looking at launching Greek yogurt and that's uh, on our anvil. Certainly the street will be very happy to hear this. But Varun, how much of it would be like portfolio transformation towards healthier products? Health is, you know, really gaining traction not only in India, but internationally as well. No, I absolutely agree. But it will be remiss if I do not, uh, you know, mention that you have to grow at uh, both ends. Obviously, at one end, you've got to make sure that you produce, you know, healthier products, which are not just healthy, but tasty as well. But at the other end, India is, you know, a market where people are uh, below a certain income. So it's, it's, it's important that you provide delightful products at the right price for these consumers as well, so that they can enjoy life. There are 
clearly two segments emerging. One is the top of the pyramid who are looking for healthier products and, you know, they want to completely change the codes of what they eat. At the other end, there are consumers who are just discovering that there is excitement in uh, a lot of other products that they haven't consumed, but they are not affordable uh, and they would like to try those products if they are made affordable. So we are working at both ends. But the core of both these is going to be to make sure that these products not just work for the consumers, but they also work for us in terms of profitability. So Varun, how important is m as part of your future growth strategy? And let me give you some, you know, some background, like some other FMCG majors have made some, you know, big acquisitions like Tata consumers looking to buy Bisleri, Dabar is what Badshah. So are you looking at m as a core strategy, you know, in the coming year? Um, well, uh, certainly, if we uh, find uh, a certain company which fulfills us uh, and fulfills our portfolio, we would certainly look at that. Um, but if you look at it, see, what is the purpose of m The purpose of m is to complete your portfolio, right? You, you, you imagine yourself to be a food company. There are categories that you want to play in. Now, there are two ways of doing it. One is, uh, you know, M&A. The other is a joint venture or launching your own product. So I think whichever way, whether it's M&A or it's, uh, you know, doing a joint venture like we've done in cheese and croissants, we will make sure that we fulfill our portfolio. But yes, if, if there's an exciting opportunity, we will not let that go. All right. And now that we're talking about the competitive landscape, Varun, uh, two things. One is that what is your take on startups? There's, there's a lot of startups, in, especially in, you know, foods and beverages as well. So do you see those as, you know, threats in the long term? And in the same way, Reliance has announced some very aggressive FMCG plans and they're acquiring smaller brands across snacks. So how do you see the competitive landscape? Yeah, no, so that's a very good point. So you've gone on two ends of the spectrum. So one, you're saying smaller companies coming in, being nimble, launching new products, uh, you know, if they don't succeed, launching different products, etc., etc. Well-funded through private equity, venture funds, etc. At the other end, you've got uh, the biggest guy, uh, you know, or, or the second biggest guy in the country who's uh, looking at launching FMCG products. How do you deal with it? So both have very different codes. Uh, one is uh, nimble. Uh, second is large nimble. But yes, they, they, they are going through it in a, in a very fast and, uh, you know, furious way. But yes, they are very large. And hence, uh, you know, for that to take shape, within their portfolio is going to take a little bit of time. But when they come, they're going to come with a hammer. So we'll have to watch out. Um, so, you know, if you do think about the moats that we have for our business, one is the moat of brands. I think we've got very solid brands and there will always be moats, whether it's against a, a startup or a large player. Second is that I think the biggest moat for us, besides our brands, is the fact that we operate in a low gross margin category uh, or categories, 
but we are still able to create profitability and a fairly good profitability because of the very lean structure and the lean fixed costs that we carry. I think that's our biggest moat. You know, for a large player to launch products and start up and to generate profits uh, is only possible if the gross margins are high. But yes, I know that Reliance has very deep pockets. So uh, we'll have to watch out. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to treat this as a very, very dynamic and a very, you know, quick changing uh, scenario and watch it very carefully. And we'll also have to make sure that we strengthen these two modes that I've spoken about. Okay. So Varun, uh, 10 years back, you, know, you spotted trends and you implemented them for Britannia uh, in terms of portfolio transformation and also managing both ends indulgence as well as nutrition, you balanced it. What is the trend that you forecast for the next decade in terms of consumption of, you know, and snacking in India? So I, I don't think uh, food trends have really changed. The only thing that's changed during COVID is this whole focus on health and nutrition. Otherwise, I, I do think that food either works on the nutrition front or it works on the indulgence front. There's nothing in between, right? And obviously, indulgence is all about taste. Uh, so I think those trends are going to continue. Now, the trends that you spoke about from a competitive standpoint are trends that we have to really watch. Because uh, I think as an organization, we will have to become a lot more nimble, uh, a lot more lean, very quick decision-making. I think that's going to be very, very important for large and uh, I would say old, uh, and I'm not talking about age, I'm talking about the number of years that we have been in operation. Uh, large organizations like us that, you know, we, we will have to make sure that we match our steps with uh, what is in store from a competitive standpoint. So uh, going forward, how do you see demand panning out? Because some analyst reports have flagged that there could be moderation in demand post-festive season. What is your take on the next fiscal? I would say uh, reasonably optimistic about India's, one, economic growth. Uh, second, consumers in India are not reducing consumption or changing trajectory on that. So I would say uh, demand will remain. Yes, there might be slight fluctuations from festive season to post-festive season. But uh, I do think that India uh, is a country which is extremely resilient and the Indian consumers are even more resilient than, you know, the country as a whole. So I do think that demand is going to remain reasonably positive as we go forward. Okay, demand is going to be reasonably positive, Arun, you just said. But let me address the core question, which is, you know, the biggest question for any FMCG company, the rural markets. Do you expect a revival anytime soon with the correction in raw material prices and sentiment gradually picking up? See, the rural markets for us have been really good. We have not seen uh, any kind of downtrend and rural growths as far as Britannia is concerned. It is basically because we have been growing our distribution footprint in uh, the rural markets. As I see it, there'll be 
more positivity with Russia easing up at some stage. The commodity prices, I think it's now got to a stage that it's not going to be the kind of inflation that we've seen in the last uh, two and a half years. So that's going to be a positive. And really, even in these tough times, India still remain resilient. The situation with uh, industries growing, uh, jobs being created. We, as a company, are creating three new factories. And, uh, you know, all three of them are in rural areas. So there are many more, you know, the big groups in India putting in a lot of money in capital. I think that's going to only create a much better environment as far as rural is concerned. So I think it'll come back. The demand is going to come back and probably start to become more than urban in in the coming months. All right. And in the coming months, we also have the budget. So what, in your view, should Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman do to spur consumption? So uh, uh, it's been been a tough year. So I do think that... uh, it's going to be a budget which will probably, you know, be a little populistic. I am hoping that there is some normalization of the GST rate uh, in this budget. I think that could make a big difference. And I think uh, there are some moves which have worked out quite well for the country. The, the whole thing about incentivizing investments, uh, that's been a very, very positive move. And uh, we've got the first tranche of our payments for that, for, you know, the in- investments that we've made. I do think that that is a positive move and that should continue to become a big initiative because the most important thing for the country really is that we get a lot more investments. And the other thing which uh, I hope comes through in this uh, budget is infrastructure. I would I would say that from a road standpoint, Mr. Gadkari has done a fantastic job but uh, development of cities, etc., Bangalore, you know, you know what, what happened in Bangalore with the floods, etc. If we could showcase a few cities with uh, much better infrastructure, I think that could be a big move forward. So I'm expecting all of these to be a part of the budget uh, this year. So let's hope for the best. All right, Varun, one last question. What are the immediate challenges before you? You know, airlines has been a pretty challenging space and there have been many controversial incidents in recent weeks. So how do you see the go-first business panning out compared to FMCG? Oh my God, that's that's a very dumb question. No, so I'm just, uh, Suratna, I'm just wetting my feet in this airline business while the businesses are chalk and cheese. But I would say the core is just the same. Um, I am just making sure that I focus on uh, the people, making sure that we have the right people. Uh, We incentivize them in the right way. Uh, We give them uh, the right targets and we hold them to those numbers. On a periodic basis, we review that and make sure that we are in the right direction. And if we are not, we take corrective actions there and then. I think that's, that's, you know, one thing that I'm focusing on. And that doesn't change from Britannia to an airline, right? Uh, Because exactly the same thing that I do at Britannia as well. Now, there are obviously a lot more uh, intricacies uh, which I'm not aware of and I'm trying to learn and understand on a daily basis. But as I said, I'm not an 
executive there. I'm I'm in a non-executive capacity, but trying to understand it so that from a strategic standpoint, I can help and guide the team to walk towards, you know, what I spoke in the beginning of this interview, which is uh, being cash positive and giving some returns for the stakeholders. So uh, that's how I'm looking at it. Still a learning phase. It's, uh, I think I'm contributing, but not uh, to an extent where, which makes me happy. But hopefully as I learn and I become better, maybe from a strategic standpoint, I'll be able to contribute even better. Perfect. That was a great conversation, Varun. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Ratna. As always, great to talk to you. Britannia's stock value has nearly doubled in the past five years, better than most of its peers. But challenges ahead for Berry as chief strategist of the Wadia Empire include steering Britannia, which is up against intensified competition and dealing with headwinds such as pressures on operating margins and raw material inflation, besides turning around a turbulent go-first. Turning around the airline will be a tough task, say analysts. For fiscal 2022, GoFirst reported a record loss of over 1,800 crore rupees, more than double the previous year, according to data from Registrar of Companies collated by Altinfo. This is because while demand for flying has recovered from its COVID lows and fares have spiked, fuel prices are still high and the rupee very low. GoFirst has cold-storaged IPO plans at least four times and incidents like a flight takeoff, leaving 55 passengers in an airport shuttle, has left it with reputation damage in an era of damning social media. Add to that frequent top management churn, with few CEOs surviving beyond a year. For now, it's a wait and watch. I'm Ratna Bhushan, and you've been listening from Bike to Flight, Varun Berry's Big Plans Ahead, exclusively on The Morning Brief. This episode was produced by Sumit Pandey, sound editor Indranil Bhattacharji, executive producers Anupriya Bahadur, Anirban Chaudhary and Arijit Barman. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. Do share the episode on your social media networks. The Morning Brief airs every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. Do tune in to ET Play for all audio content, including The Morning Brief. You can listen to our podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms. Thank you for listening and have a nice day ahead. All external sound clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits are mentioned in the description.